0: Everybody good? Yeah. Thank you, Lord. That was a good one. Yeah. All right. A couple of great things that are going to happen, I think. One is me and myself and Frank Miguel are going to go to Argentina next week. So, yeah. And we're going to be down there for, you know, a little over a week. And so they're going to pray for us in the second service. We're going to go Tuesday. And then we're also, uh, Sally. we got Sally here this morning. And we're going to be praying for Sally this morning. You know, Sally, I don't know if some of y'all might not know Sally. Raise your hand, Sally. Sally is one of our daughters of this church. And Sally is now leading worship at City Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is a great church. And Sally's really doing a fantastic job down there, uh, releasing the, the love of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit into that church. And so that's. Uh, but we, we never had the opportunity to really pray for Sally and send her out from this church. So, but you know what, God is always, uh, He always catches you up and stuff, you know, and say so we're going to be praying for her this morning and sending her out. Uh, better late than never, right Sally? So, because there's no, uh, we, we're, just, we're just going on the outside, uh, in, in God time is really not a big deal, Right. Well, you know, Einstein actually uh, figured that out. Um, He really did that time. You know, can speed up or slow down. How many people knew that? Uh, He well, it's true. You know, that's why there's so much confusion about the age of the Earth. It's because of the the Big Bang theory, which is when God released the power. uh, It caused a a warp in the time continuum. This is science okay? I mean, really, this is science. I'm not just telling you something that's, that's not really real. I don't know why I'm telling you that, but, you know. Hey, you know, this is, and also a great thing we got going in the second service, Bob Jones is going to be here. And this is really a unique thing, because this was a Bob Jones asked to come, okay? He invited himself, basically, and, you know, he. Bob Jones is a prophet. He operates in the office of a prophet. He's not just a prophetic guy. Uh, but he called me the other day, and I'm, I thought, oh, gosh, either he's going to fuss at me or he's got something really good to say. Because uh-huh. <laughs> I haven't gotten phone calls you with know, him. me. <laughs> so I answered the phone, and he started telling me the Lord revealed something to him about this church. That was really awesome. He started sharing it with me, and uh, he said, uh, Y'all got, any, you got a special speaker or anything, Sunday? I said, uh, No, Bob, you're the special speaker. <laughs> He said he was going to come and give us this word. and uh, So I've been just, I was thinking about it this morning, so blessed that I've had like two people in my life that are major people in the spirit. Is Arthur Burke, who was here a couple weeks ago, and Bob Jones. Both of those men have had, I mean, I cannot tell you the impact that they've had on my life spiritually. It's been, just been incredible. I'm just thinking, what a gift from God. I mean, you know, for the Lord to give me that gift of having two people who are so substantial spiritually, uh, you know, really they're the only two people that I know of, that, well, they're the only two people I personally know that really are prophets, you know, that are true, like true prophets. I mean, there's other true prophets out there for sure, but uh, there's not many of them, you know. And so, so it's a treat for us, uh, for this church, to get to be influenced by those kind of people. And they were just all in my dreams last night, both of them, just really releasing something into the spirit realm of this church. So I'm excited. And I think this word is going to be an encouraging thing for our church to really go into the new time that we're in now. Amen? You know, Bob is not the kind of guy, Bob, you got a word for me? No. You know, he don't give you words if he don't have one. He'll just flat say, no, I don't have one. All right, so, y'all just sitting there looking at me anyways... Uh, I'm a sort of an introvert person, I can't stand for people to look at me, I'm sort of always like, oh, you know, but I sort of just dial that out, because the Lord's looking, that's the main one, I want Him looking at me, His eyes upon me, amen? Well, if you remember last week, I talked a little bit out of Genesis 15, does anybody remember that? And if you weren't here, it was a great little short message, but I didn't finish the message, I kind of finished it in the second service. But in Genesis 15, it's when, the Lord, when Abram, Abram asked the Lord a question. And here was the question. Lord, what will you do for me? Okay? And, and then he goes on to explain to the Lord that he didn't have an heir. He didn't have a child. And somebody else was going to, you know, be his heir. And the Lord said to Abram, it says the Lord took Abram, took him by the hand really, and took him outside the tent where he was sitting. And said, Abram, look up, into the, look up into the sky. What do you see? And can you count the stars? That's what I have for you, Abram. And, you know, my thought, and the thought of, I think, what God is trying to talk to us about is, you know, we're all sitting in a place in our life. Okay? Everybody in this room, you're in a place. And you have something you've asked God to do for you, or you're going to ask God to do something for you. Okay, would anybody like to ask God that question again this morning? Sure. Let's ask him to go, Lord, Lord. What, would what would you do for me? What do you have for me? And the Lord took Abram by the hand and led him out of the tent. Now, that's the key, the thing I was really wanting us to see last week. This is in Genesis 15, I think verse 2. It starts in verse 2 when you ask the question. It goes down to verse 6 or 7. Uh, this is the key for you and I. Uh, it's that time period from where he, the Lord takes us by the hand and leads us outside. That's the, that's the tricky place. That's the place where a lot of Christians have an issue that happens in their life. is because God has to get us out of where we are, okay, to get us into a place where we can hear what He has for us, okay? And God really, that's really what I believe God's been doing in the, in the church world, in the Christian world, you know, for a couple of years now. He's been trying to get people out from where they're at. Get them out. And a and lot of it is just simply your thinking, your limited thinking. See, Abraham was lim- He was living in a, a very limited world at that moment. All he was asking for was one child and God was saying, Abraham, I'm going to give you a nation. Nations, literally. Your mind, your thoughts are limited. And your mind your thoughts have a tendency to limit God. Okay, and God... Jesus has the unlimited mind. Everybody say, Jesus has the unlimited mind. Yes. If we have the mind of Christ, then we can begin to think outside our limitations. Okay? And that's what the renewed mind is all about. It's thinking outside of your little faults, your little world, your little tent that you set yourself down into. Okay? And God has to get us out. Of that place and our thinking out of that place where we can begin to see the possibilities that there are in Christ. Yesterday's anointing will not succeed and is not enough for today, for the world we live in today. It's, it's, It's unacceptable. It's like yesterday's manna was no good for the next day. God would never let them, you know, our tendency is to try to get something and hold on to it. You know, and God wants to bring us into something more. He wants to bring us into something different. But literally, it's, it's literally hell sometimes getting up from where you are and getting out there. You know, it's like a uh, shared, I think, I, I can't remember anything I said, okay? I can remember what I said in the second service, but not the first. They blurred. But really, it's like when I first became a believer, uh, God, it was like God took everything away from me. all I had left. Literally, was a brown grocery bag with all my earthly possessions in, it. and I lost some things that I loved. Possessions that I I lost. This day, I grieve over like I used to have guns and stuff. I was into guns back then, pretty big. And I want my guns back. My daddy gave me a gun when I turned 16 years old. I want that gun back. And I lost that because of, you know, it was my fault. But you know, I was unsaved, and I got saved, and. But I had everything in the brown paper bag, which included one sheet that I slept on in my sister's living room. And my sister told me this thing. She said, She she said, if God shuts a door in your life, that means He's going to open another door. He always does that. And I believe that. And I have it's been proven true in my life. The problem is, is that hallway from one door to the next. There's there's hell in between. Okay? Literally there's a fire there's fire in between you and that other door. You can see the door. And literally, I can tell you in my, my life as a believer, I've I've got scratch marks on doors where I've tried to claw my way back into the door that God shut behind me. And But when God shuts the door, no man can open it. Just like when God opens a door, no man can shut it. And God is trying to encourage the church to get up from where you are, even though that door may be a ways off and it may be difficult from here to there. Go! It's like uh, someone shared with me uh, something... Uh, Winston Churchill said, if you're walking through hell, keep going. (laughs) Keep going. Don't stop. You will walk right out of that terrible situation you're in. Uh, So, amen. Is everybody good with that? Did I read Jeremiah 1.5 to you all last week? Nobody can remember. I'll read it to you again. You'll remember. This is what the Lord told Jeremiah. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. In other words, God knew us before we ever came here. I'm not going to go into all that this morning, but I got some great revelation on that. Some people call it speculation, but I think it's revelation because it's in the Bible and other places. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. See, God has already began to set you apart. I mean, he had a plan for your life. And then he says, uh, you know, I appointed you a prophet, isn't he? So he has he he knew us. He sets apart and He appointed us. Everybody in this room, you've been known by God, you have been set apart by God, and you have an appointment that God has appointed your life to something. And God, is so God has put the seed of that in every one of us. He's put the seed of His appointment. He has put the seed of life in us. That he calls forth at different times in our life. And it's disruptive. God is a disruptive God. He will disrupt your circumstances. He will disrupt your life to bring forth the appointment in your life. And if you read a lot about Jeremiah, he has a lot of issues in his life. Uh, he's not my favorite prophet in the Bible with all the issues that he seemed to be serving. Because he was the one prophet that was left in Jerusalem and was there to watch it be destroyed. Okay, And see the last of the capt- and to see Judah and see Jerusalem taken captive and burn down and destroy it was heartbreaking for him to see uh, you know, what God had had built at one time to be so destroyed. Now, let's, uh, let's look at First John, so I just caught you up with that little thing there, which I think is important. see this this is about prayer, okay? And because prayer is everything in the Christian life. You know, if you think about your Christian life, y'all, are you all happy about prayer? Yeah, we are. Okay, Everything in your Christian life revolves around prayer. You wouldn't be a Christian without prayer, right? You wouldn't be saved if you didn't have a prayer where you asked Christ to come into your life. To sit. And so everything that we do as, as believers, at the foundation of it, at the center of it, is prayer. Okay, And that's why the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray like you pray. Jesus prayed. Okay? And so so when you think about it, our life is a prayer. We're constantly engaging God in conversation. And constantly, I hope you are listening to God for his voice and for what he's doing. And uh, I'm not talking about prayer as a religious act, I'm talking about prayer as a lifestyle, prayer as a way that we communicate with the spiritual realm. And so you know, for us to really get what we want, see, this is the truth. Everybody in this room, where you are, I, I know I said this last week, but it's worth saying it again, where you have created the world you live in. You have. Nobody else has. If somebody else happened to, it's because you gave them permission. You allowed them input into your life to, to cause your world to become what it is. Now, that's really important. Because that tells me that I want to, if I want to change my world, I've got to change what I'm saying to God. I've got to change what I'm thinking. I've got to change my understanding. And I've got to change what I'm saying. Because your words create your world. Now, I know a lot of people don't believe that, but it is everywhere in the Bible. Right from the very beginning, God created the world. In fact, He says, by Jesus' words, the world is still held together. He's holding the world together by a word. If he decided to retract that word, the world would fly apart. And so he's given man the authority and power, and whether we use it right or use it not not right, to create a world. And so I heard this black preacher say this, and I thought it was great. He said, when you start thinking bad thoughts, put your hand over your your mouth. Okay? And I think that's really great counsel. It's when you start having bad thoughts, negative thoughts, depressed thoughts, push down, don't speak them. Because when you begin to speak something, James tells us a big boat is guided by a little rudder. A great forest fire is started by a little match. That's a word. And so God wants to give us words that create a different life than we have. Are y'all following this? This is where prayer comes in. It's learning how to pray words that change your life. And God really is looking for people that He can invest stuff into to be able to change situations around them through a word. Are, are y'all following this? See, so this is where the church must go. We are wondering, one of the reasons we're saying, why is God not answering our prayers? It's because we're saying the wrong things. And we're creating destruction instead of creating life. Alright, let's look at this First John 5, 13 through 15. This is what John said. My purpose... This is the Message Bible. Don't y'all love the Message Bible? You know, if you get messed up in your Bible reading, start reading about the message. It just has such a richness in it. And it brings out some words in it that, you know, uh, oh, I just love that guy, Eugene Peterson. I think he's just the daggone coolest guy in the world. And he has some radical beliefs, by the way, that he didn't put in the Message Bible. He really does. He was, If you really knew some of the stuff he was, he's a secret, radical, revolutionary Christian. And he, he leaps a little bit of it out in some of this, if, if you pay attention. But he said, My purpose in writing is simply this, that you who believe in God's Son will know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you have eternal life. Well, that's a great thought. You know I mean? Yes, I got, I know that. Don't you know that this morning? That you have, that you have eternal life. You have... God has shared His life with you. You have that life in you, and you're alive. Okay, uh, the reality, not the illusion. Isn't that powerful? The reality of eternal, the reality of eternal life is not that I got saved and I'm going to heaven one day. The reality is I am living that eternal life right this moment, and I'm going to live as if. Okay, I'm not living from this world. I'm living from that heavenly world, that eternal world. That's the reality. And that's where God has been, that's where God has always, from the beginning, since man fell, has been working to get us back to that place of the original life, the original calling. And the church, and we live from the world. We don't, we're living from something that's dying. We really are, we're living from something that's in decay. And we wonder why our thoughts are messed up. Because they're thoughts of death. They're decaying thoughts. And see, God wants to teach us thoughts of life. He wants to give us His thoughts. These eternal thoughts. These invisible thoughts. And I'll tell you something, man. This is the key right here to thinking God's thoughts. This is the key for the church. Because when we begin to think His thoughts, then we can begin to really speak His words. We're not just parroting something. We're speaking something that has real power on it. You know, that's one of the reasons a lot of our prayers are not answered. It's because we're parrots. We're not really speaking. We're not speaking what He's saying. We're speaking something else. All right, now listen. And how bold and free we then become in His presence. Anybody feel that? Boldness and freedom in the presence of the Lord. Anybody want that in their life, or do you feel intimidated and, and tied down in the presence of the Lord and worried about what everybody else is thinking and not really letting yourself go in the bold and free. Yeah, right. bold and free. And that's what God wants us to be, because we're always in His presence. As David said, I always saw the Lord before me. He's at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore my tongue rejoices. That's what he said. So he lived in the presence of the Lord. And, and, okay, freely asking according to his will, freely asking. Sure that he's listening. Now, how many people have got that going in their life? That you're sure, not that God heard you, but God is hearing you. He's hearing you. God has listened to you, He's hearing your words. He's listened to your words. Now that's 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 an exciting thing, right? That's a good thing. We want to know that God's hearing my prayer. God's listening to me. He's paying attention to what I'm doing. He's thinking about what I'm saying. And if we're confident, if we're confident that that He's listening, okay. If we're confident of that, okay, this is great. We know. Everybody say we know. We know that we that we've asked, what, what we've asked for is as good as ours. It's as good as ours. Now that's the God thought right there. Okay? Now, here's the problem with it being good as ours. It's, between, it's the door down there and the hell between. As good as yours, baby, it's an embryonic form in your heart. Okay? And what you do with that embryonic thought that God has given you, there's... Are y'all following this? Yes. Okay. Now, because this is really what God wants to take us. He wants to create an army of powerful warriors that pray. Yeah. And when they open their mouth, power comes out of their mouth. Uh, you can always tell about a person by listening to their words. You can always tell where they're at spiritually by listening to what's coming out of the mouth. Because Jesus said that. Remember it's in John 12? I think verse 37 or something like that. You'll... By your words, you will be justified or condemned. Jesus said that. By your words. Okay? And a lot of people condemn their lives because they're speaking things or have spoken things that have created this bad world around them. And God wants to free us from that because we're, we're, the, we're the family. Yeah. We're the family. Well, I'm into this. I'm into this prayer thing. Okay? Because I want to change some things in my world. I want to change some things in my children's world, okay, in my grandchildren's world, and I want to change some things in this church. And once I begin to change it in my life, in my home, in my family, immediate family, and then the church, then I can begin to start thinking about the world that I live in out here, you know, the United States of America, okay, and begin to see something happen different in this country. But I've got to start here. So, um, there's things that hinder us. See, see, here's what we can do. If we, re- we can believe this, I'll tell you that in the truest sense, you don't have to pray, pray it again. You can pray it again. In fact, I would suggest you talk to God about those things. But you don't have to pray it again if you really believe you have it. What you need to do is pray that God will cause it to grow into beyond the embryo, and that the enemy wouldn't be able to abort this thing. You know. All right. God has to prepare us because we're not fully ready now. Here's something that I read last week that was really good in the Amplified Bible, Jeremiah fifteen sixteen through nineteen, which has been a famous scripture all my Christian life, extracting the precious from the worthless. But it became even more famous one morning when Becky read it to me in the Amplified Bible. And it sort of stunned me when she read it to me. So this is something that hinders Christians from getting their prayers answered, okay? Uh, Now here's Jeremiah. He's sort of mirroring um, Abraham's experience. He says, now he's speaking to God. Your words were found and I ate them, and your words were to me a joy and rejoicing of my heart. That's pretty good. That's a revelation. That's when God touches you, God speaks to you. You've got something going in God, right? You're happy. Something has happened to you. And there's joy inside of you. For I am called by your name. Oh, Lord, God of hosts. Now, that's a man who's on fire for God. I'm called by your name, Lord. And I am, I am happy. And you know what I did, Lord? I set not in the sin of those who make merry. Nor did I rejoice. That seems like a mistake to me. It seems like a religious spirit got on that man. Not knowing that God is a, is a partying, happy God and loves the married house. You know? But this man has chosen not to be married and not to rejoice. I fell alone. Okay? I, se- I separated myself because of your powerful hand was upon me. Okay? And so that do not sound like right to me. That sounds like, wait a minute, that do not sound like the Christian life that God's called us to live. Uh, your powerful hand can be upon us but Do we have to sit alone, Do we have to be miserable. We've, Christian, we've made Christianity that way. We've made it a heavy negative thing. Okay? And then, for you have filled me with indignation. And that's the end result of that kind of thinking. You begin to accuse God of something. You begin to find fault in God. You started out rejoicing in your heart. something You had a call you had something going in your life. Next thing you know, you're upset with God. Because God has not done for you what He thinks you should do. Okay? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Has anybody ever been there? I can promise you I have walked that road many a times. Okay? Why is my pain perpetual and my wound incurable refusing to be healed? Why, Lord, aren't you answering my prayers? Why, Lord, aren't you doing the things you said you would do? Isn't this wonderful? Will you indeed to me like a deceitful brook? You deceived me, God. You told me these things. <laughs> like waters that fell and are uncertain. God, you're the most uncertain. God, there is. Now, I didn't mention last week that God is a zigzagger. Okay, but this is not that kind of zigzag. This is talking about the... Character and the integrity of God and the integrity of His Word that Jeremiah, who was saying, I ate them and they made me rejoice. They did something to me. But now he's saying, nah, now they're making me sick. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, boy, you can get nasty of God if you ain't careful. Therefore, now the Lord had an answer. See, sometimes you might have to sit down and have this discussion with God. Right? Sometimes you might have to get bad real with him. Okay? In hopes of getting this bad stuff out of your heart and getting your heart back into the right place with the Lord. Therefore, thus saith the Lord to Jeremiah, if you return, now listen to this, and give up, give up this mistaken tone of distrust and despair. Mistaken tone of distrust and despair. See, the church is ate up with that. Christians are ate up with this. You talk to them. Talk to Christians a lot. Just listen to what they're saying. Just listen. Just listen to people's heart. And you hear this tone in their hearts. There's no hope in the the church about America anymore. I mean, good Lord. Kill America. That's what most of them are really saying. Just kill them. Somebody drop a nuclear bomb on them. You'll give up this mistaken tone of distress and despair. then I will give you again a settled place of quiet and safety. Now that's pretty good, a settled place. See, that's what God wants to do for people. He wants to settle you and bring you in quietness and safety. That's security, that's rest. That's where your heart's not tore up and you're not full of this attitude towards, towards the Lord.. Uh, and you will be my minister. Okay? Anybody want to be the Lord's minister? Raise your hand if you would like to be the Lord's minister. I mean, because God's looking for people to be His minister. He wants people to... Now, that may not be a preacher or a pastor of a church. Don't get me. Or a missionary to Africa or some dark place. I mean, or a worship leader or a doorkeeper or any of that. It may not be any of that. You know? It could be. It could be all of those things. It may be working in the nursery. Oh, shame on me, Lord. But I don't want to do that. Anyways... No, not shaman, but I just don't really want to do that, Lord. I've already done that. I don't change diapers. (laughs) You know how I used to change my kids' diapers? It's bad. I call it the hose pipe revelation. (laughs) Beggy would leave. If it was summertime and they had a bad diaper, we would go outside. Drop the diaper on the ground and I'd hose them off. If it was wintertime, I'd take them to the bathtub, drop the diaper in the bathtub, and turn it off. And I was doing that while gagging every second, <laughs> hoping I wouldn't throw up. Becky, like, hey, why did you leave me here? These kids. <laughs> and so, boy, one day she left me with Madeline, and she had a bad diaper. I'm thinking, I don't know what am I going to do? Do this? I can't, I'm never going to do this. Madeline, go change your diaper. Papa, will you come like me? No, I will not like you. You're a girl, I don't like girls. <laughs> Just go outside and I'll hose you down. <laughs> it's sad. So anytime I'm going to be keeping kids, have they used the bathroom? When was the last time? I need to even know. There's no hand on stomach, you know. Well, I'm going to tell you why this thing happened. Okay, the very first, my oldest son, I t- we brought him home from the hospital, and I'm going to need Dad, and I'm thinking, I'm going to do the Daddy thing, okay? And I took the little boy in there to change his little diaper. And I opened his diaper up and I felt something hitting me right there. And then I noticed the wall getting wet. And I realized God had saved me by a millimeter of getting heat in my mouth. And right then I can tell I'm not doing this now. I don't care how sick this baby is. We I'm not Baby, come in here, this boy needs to be the diaper change. You know, so don't anyway, back to the church in all the Christian world. So, anyways, Lord, help us. <laughs> I don't know how I got on that topic. Minister. It says, give up in the second time of distrust and spirit, then you will again be my minister. Oh, I got on the nursery thing. And if you separate the precious from the vile, the precious from the vile, cleansing your heart, listen to this, from unworthy and unwarranted suspicions concerning God's faithfulness. Wow unwarranted. Now see, we have the suspicions about God. Isn't that not how Eve fell into the devil's trap? Questions about the faithfulness of God. Why is God holding something back from you? Why is God not healing you? Why is God not answering your prayer? Why? And the suspicions, sorry, suspicion that would be bad, but <laughs> suspicion lies in your heart towards the Lord about His goodness, about His faithfulness, about Him, about His intentions towards you. That's the vile. That is what pollutes us. And what the Lord was saying, uh, uh, Jeremiah, this stuff, your life's not going to work because of this. And you've got to get this stuff out of your heart. You've got to remove this stuff. Okay? And He says, if you'll do that, you'll be my mouthpiece. Oh, actually, you see, that's, now that's what I are talking about asking the prayer there. You see that? Then you can begin to speak what I say and your life can begin to change. And the reason your life is not changing and the reason things aren't happening is because these things are in you. This, this vileness is in your heart. And I look down in your heart and no matter what you're trying to say on the outside of the outside, I see into your heart. And this is hindering you from, from creating the world you need to create. This is hindering you from getting from me the things I want to give you. Are you all following this? And I'm going to tell you something. It's the the truth. It's the terrible truth. All right, now, let's look at one more and then we'll be done, okay? Philippians 4, 6 through 7. And this is in the Message Bible also because it says it so well. Uh, This is what Paul is telling them. Don't fret or worry instead of worry and pray. Let petitions and praise shape your worries into prayers. Let petitions and praise Shake your worries into prayer. In other words, if you've got situations in your life that's causing you to worry, which who doesn't, right? I mean, I promise you there ain't a person here that can stand up and say, no, I'm not worried. I ain't worried about nothing. No, you're lying. We should be concerned about it. But what he's telling us, he's giving us great counsel here. Petitions and praise. Begin to praise the Lord and begin to bring your petitions to God in a heart of praise and worship. And quit complaining. Okay? And whining. And when you begin to do that, something can really begin to happen in your life. Letting, Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness Everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. Right. Yeah. In other words, that's the atmosphere that, that that's going to come, you know, about your worries. As you begin to have a heart of praise and thankfulness and, you, and begin to praise, Lord, this is what my concern is. Thank you, Lord, so much, so uh, for what you have done for me. Thank you, Lord, for what I do have. Thank you, Lord, that I have help. You know what I heard? Uh, Who's that that told me that about getting a, Oh. oh we went over and prayed for Star the other day. Okay, Star has this terrible disease. I mean, it's a wicked disease. It's a demonic disease that's on her. Okay, so we went over and, and was praying for her And, you know, she said, you know, now I can understand why people get up and jump and shout and dance in church. Because when you can't, when you can't do it, you realize something. You realize what you have." That you took for granted. Wow. And so we was going over there trying to encourage her and comfort her. And thinking, thank God that you talking to me. <laughs> thank God speaking to this girl. And see a lot of times that's what happens with us. It's when we lose something that's precious like our health. We realize I'll never judge another person for getting up in church. And, and, and acting a little bit out of control. Because at least they can get up and act out of control. And here I sit. I wish I could. If I could get up and shout to the Lord, I would. But I don't have strength to even open my mouth and talk anymore. And that's what—that's what Paul was trying to tell him. You know, let's have a—let's have an atmosphere of praise in our heart, okay? Instead of complaint, praise. Instead of worry, let's begin to praise the Lord and keep those things that God's doing. and 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 as we do this, this sense—there's a sense of wholeness that will come into our life. You know what that sense is? It's a sense of healing, that God's healing us on the inside. He's, he's uh-huh. working on our hearts and healing us. Okay, you're following this? Yeah, that's this that's stuff true. works. It, does. it really does work. Coming together and it will, and you will be settled down. Listen to this. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry uh-huh. at the center of your life. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces yeah. worry of the center of your life. And he said, this is what you do. Praise the Lord. Yeah. That's how you begin to get Christ back in the center. Because literally what Paul is saying here is when we're worried and fretful, that's the center of our life. Christ is not the center. And that's what brokenness, disapp- all that stuff eats us alive. You know, and so you see what God wants to do. I believe, and this this is what I believe. I believe God wants to give give the church a word. I believe He wants to give you and me words that have a lot of power on them that we could change the world with our words. We can change the but we gotta start with our own little world, all inside. We gotta start with us and work on myself. I gotta work on me. I gotta start speaking the right words. I like what that black man said. I start thinking bad thoughts. I ain't saying a word. Lord, we've got to get these thoughts out of here. Until they're out, my mouth is shut. And when they're gone, let's put some good thoughts in there. First Corinthians thirteen eleven. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I understood like a child. I thought like a child. Thoughts lead to understandings. Understandings lead to words. Words lead to the life you and I have. So to change your life, you change your thoughts. The way you change your thoughts is you receive the mind of Christ. You allow Christ to renew your mind. Jesus. That's why Jesus said, repent, change your mind. The kingdom of heaven is right here. He started out with that basic thing. This is how this thing works. You have to change your mind. Okay? You have to begin to have some different thoughts. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to renew your mind. and, And the renewed mind is receiving the mind of Christ, which is the unlimited mind when we begin to do that, then we're going to begin to understand things different. We're going to see things different. We're going to begin to speak a different, different story. And when we can't speak, we'll just keep our mouth shut and stay out of it. And i like, mm, I better keep my mouth shut on this because I don't think I have anything good to say. So, that's what real prayer is, I believe. This is, this is real prayer. This is the prayer that's going to gonna change the world. This is a prayer that's gonna cast mountains into the sea. This is the prayer that's gonna heal the sick. This is the prayer that's gonna keep people from dying. This is the prayer that's gonna heal people. That's the prayer that we're looking for. Because I tell you what, this is one thing I never served. I'm praying for people, they're dying. But there's gonna come a day when I'm praying for people they're not dying. And then there's gonna come another and I'm praying for the dead people that died that they're gonna get up. I'm going for that. I'm not gonna quit going for that effort. Ever, period. I'm gonna, I, may be, I may die doing it. You know, I may fall over dead trying to You know. do that. But I think anything else, I think anything else is a major compromise and a major failure on the church's part. Because that is exactly what Jesus did. We're not following anything else. We're supposed to be following Christ. And if we're following Christ, we need to be doing what He did. Now, that may work a little different in your context. Okay? But we still need to be doing it. How He shows you to do it in your cult context, your environment that God's placed you in. And He has a lot of wisdom to show us how to do it in a different context. Amen? Yeah. Alright, let's just stand up. Are y'all okay? Yeah. Good. Let's ask the Lord one more time. Lord, Lord.
1: What, will what will you do for
0: me? I want you to do something for me. Something for me. <laughs> this is what I want you to do for me, Lord. I want you to give me some new thoughts. I want your thoughts, Lord. I'm tired of my thoughts. I'm tired of what I understand. Lord, I'm willing to put my doctrine, my theology, all of it. Here, you can have it today. I'm done with it. I want something new from heaven. I want what you're saying, Lord. I need to see myself the way you see me. I need to see the Bible the way you see the Bible. I need to see Scripture the way you see Scripture. I need to see what's going on in my life the way you see what's going on in my life. I need to see my spouse, my friends, my job. My finances, my health—I need to see them the way you're seeing them, and I need to get your thoughts on them, Lord. Lord. So, Lord, this morning I'm asking you, right now in Jesus' name, I'm asking you for something different in my life. Okay, I want to change my life. I got some things in my life that need to be changed. Now, if you have something that needs to be changed in your life this morning, a situation or circumstance in your life, I want you to say. You can say it between privately to the Lord, but you do need to say it. You need to say, Lord. I give up that, whatever that is. I give it up this morning. My thoughts on that. My words on that. And I ask you to forgive me. And I ask you to give me a new thought. I'm changing my mind this morning so I can see a different thing.